Hi, I'm Michael Radigan with my co-host Kat Silverman. This is Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference. Uh, you can follow me at Mikey Rads. You can follow Kat at Catherine, Catherine M. Silverman. Kat M. Silverman? Yes. <laughs> God damn. So Kat, follow. I'm. Damn it. Okay, Kat M. Silverman. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Three Cheers Pod One. Three cheers for goal one. That's the number three and the number one. Oh my, I'm sorry. I'm, my brain's broken. Um, and then you can follow our lovely producer, Maxwell Spar at Maxwell Spar. Um, Kat, how you doing? I'm amazing. Um, my my child won't speak to me. I'm trying to make dinner and she just doesn't want to talk. So I'm going to talk to you instead. Yeah. So um, we just did a really fun interview that we're going to jump into. It's... Um, with uh, Michael Hurley of uh, CBS Boston. He covers the Bruins. He was someone I worked with when I worked at uh, CBS Boston as well as the Sports Hub out of college. So um, gave great insight. And uh, yeah, I've been watching hockey all day. What about you, Kat? Uh, did a little bit of work. Watched a little bit of hockey. Watched some very sad hockey. Um, sure. Before we jump into the interview, I want to say that uh, there are a lot of Coyotes fans that uh, are currently like howling in in a non-fun way because i uh, obviously your team is still in it right now new york islanders are what three to one in their series yeah they gotta they should be in good shape hopefully yeah coyotes are not in such good shape they just uh they became the fourth team to drop their series uh four to one which is kind of cool that none of the teams got swept in the first round so that's kind of nice to see um sure. but unfortunately i think the coyotes the way they played their last two games, it's surprising they didn't get swept. Um, they lost a pair of games, seven to one and seven to one. Um, Darcy Kemper got chased in both those games. To put it in perspective, he had like a 939 save percentage at the end of the first three games through the play-in round and the first three games of the postseason, uh, like the first round of the postseason. He finished the postseason with a 913. So, yeah, that'll do that to you. Uh, he had two sub, I believe it was a 793 or something in one of the games, and then like a flat 800 in the other game, which is not how you want to finish off the playoffs. I think he looked, uh, he didn't look great in the last two games. He looked really good before that, but the team in front of him certainly didn't bail him out. He looked tired, um, and it's like they were like, you're tired? We're tired too, and decided yeah. not to not to scoop up any of the soft rebounds he allowed or anything like that didn't really try and push guys away from the crease he got screened a lot um the only guys you scored in the last two games for the coyotes were um clayton keller in game five and jacob chikrin in game four which to put that in perspective both nathan mckinnon and nazem kadri scored two goals a piece in game five yeah. so they both managed to match the coyotes totals in the last two games that's that's embarrassing. Um, I don't, I don't love it, but they made the playoffs. Yeah, it's is, fun. It's good for that franchise. They, they got there, which is nice. Got the learning experience for a lot of those guys who Oliver Ekman Larson hasn't seen a playoff game since 2012. Um, Jacob Chikrin, Clayton Keller, Christian Fisher, Christian Dvorak never seen a playoff round. Lawson Kraus, um, Darcy Kemper. The last time I believe he saw a playoff round was with the Minnesota Wilds. Um, and it did not end super well for him. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of sad, but I, I think a lot of fans are panicking and I don't think they necessarily need to. 
Um, cause I think they've, they've got a bright future ahead of them, but I think that's a pretty good segue into what we're going to talk about with, with Michael Hurley, because if Coyotes fans think that they're panicking, um, they are nothing compared to Tuka Rask stands or anti stands sure, right yeah. now. So, so, yeah, so I think uh, get, get Michael Hurley on here. Yeah. We're going to jump into the interview the, uh, with Michael, uh, the Bruins won their series today. Um, they're most likely facing lightning. We'll get into all that. Uh, still a lot of playoffs left, so uh, yeah, we'll jump into it right now. Okay, uh, uh, I'm here with our guest, Michael Hurley, uh, writer for CBSBoston.com, uh, one of my old homies, um, covers the Bruins, the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Celtics, all Boston sports. His Twitter is at Michael F. Hurley, is that correct? Yes. Sweet, Michael. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Can I introduce you as the um, former intern who asked Matt Martin if the barn would be a rockin' when they got back to Nassau? <laughs> I, Wait, I wasn't in, that, I wasn't an intern. That, no, I wasn't an intern. Oh, you was, weren't an intern at that point. but I was, was full-time by that point. You never got that story? I hadn't heard that story. I... Oh. That was Scoops McGee Radigan getting in the Islanders locker room and basically asking, inviting everyone to a pizza party, uh, asking them to friend him on Facebook. It was pathetic, but they were nice. I can't believe I'm doing a podcast with him every week. I know. The Islanders were very nice. It was the most open locker room I've ever been in, so uh, it was was a pleasant experience. It's more or less. It's close enough. Um, That's that's not. That was in 2013. So that's when I was at the Sports Hub, and the, but you started at CBS Boston the same week I started interning there. Right, in right. 2012. It all blended together for me there. My bad. Yeah, yeah. So I, one year I was 21, next year I was 22. Get it together. My bad. Um, all right, so let's talk about um, why does why does Tuka Rask hate all Bruins fans in the city of Boston so much? It's nope. it, the the thing I've always said about Tuka like a million times is like when you're in mixed company, you don't bring up religion, politics, or Tuka Rask because for whatever reason, he is this like lightning rod. People hate him. They think all these like these ridiculous things about him. There are obviously fair criticisms about any any athlete at any time, I'm sure. But uh, the Bruins have basically had a top five goalie in the world for a decade, and people here are pissed about it uh, almost almost daily. Uh, so this was kind of just sort of the the cherry on top of that, that that it's obviously outside of hockey or or things that would normally be criticized for someone, uh, right. because by all reports it was a family emergency, but because it's Tuka Rask, it's a uh, it's a mess. I and when you look think about it, I mean the criticism is that he doesn't show up in the playoffs, which you have written about that's simply not true. You, right. Like everyone in Boston idolizes. Uh, Tim Thomas, and when you look at their playoff numbers, they're they're pretty comparable. Yeah, and the thing is, like people are like, oh, he's afraid of big games. It's like nobody watched Game Six last year when the Stanley Cup was in the building in St. Louis. He had 32 saves on 33 shots. The only goal crossed the goal line like by like a hair. Like he was. That's a pressure game. Was did he forget to get scared that game? Uh, like people say he does. So. Yeah, a lot of the criticism has been unwarranted, but that comes when you follow a guy who had a shutout in Game 7 on the road of the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, that's kind of hung over Tuca. So no matter what he's done, uh, short of the team winning the Stanley Cup, it all gets blamed on him. 
I think even if he did win the Stanley Cup, uh, people would still somehow find a way to make it like it's like leading up to to Game Seven last year. Because I I grew up a Bruins fan, and now I obviously I cover the Coyotes. But so I went to the bar with my friends. You know, the Coyotes didn't make the playoffs, so I was like, cool, I get to be a fan for once. Went to Game Seven and overheard these guys behind me in Bruins jerseys talking about how the only reason that Rask was capable of making it that far was because of Yarrow Halak. And I was like, even when he's making, you know, he's made it to Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final, and like they're still not happy about it. They're they're almost like angry that he's doing well, and they're like vindicated when he does poorly or when he does something that they don't like. It gives them strength, and that's that's shocking to me. I don't yeah. I don't understand that energy. It honestly sucks. Like I feel like I live in like a a matrix where reality <laughs> is is optional because it's like, yeah, they lost in Game Six to the Blackhawks in 2013 in horrific fashion. But it's like nobody ever watched those two goals again. Like the first yeah. one was a three on one down low where yeah. Jonathan Taves has the puck on his stick. It's like you can't just abandon the post when Taves is there. Like it was it was a defensive breakdown. I think Lucic was floating out. And then the second one, Seidenberg. They're 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 in a tie game. Uh, the, Seidenberg got stuck in the corner of that one, trying to protect a one goal lead in Game Six. Leaves the front of the net wide open. And the second one was a tip shot from the point. Right. Rask scrambles. It hits the post. And Boychuk had his head in the clouds. Allowed who scored the game winner, Boland, to just tap it in from the doorstep. Uh, it was uh, it, it was like I mean, it wasn't the goalie's fault in that case, but uh, the fact that he allowed two goals in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Penguins, who were scoring like four goals a game in the playoffs going into that series, just right. those games weren't big because he won them. But if they lose, it was a big game and he got scared. That's how the Tugarask uh, calculus works in Boston. So it felt like, and when I was there in 2013, it, it always just feels like people in Boston are always clamoring for the backup, his backup to become the full-time. Remember Ant- Antoine Kadobin, who's a, gr- who's a good goalie in his own right. Like he's had, he's carved out a nice career for himself. He's playing well with the stars right now. But like when he was his backup, people wanted Kadobin to be the starter. People wanted Halak, thought Halak I should be the starter of the past two seasons. That's different points. And now, which that's the case, but it, it always feels like they always want his backup, regardless who it is. Like he just, Unless he always, the backup plays poorly. And yeah. then, Unless it's it, Chad Johnson. Yarrow Halak allows two score <laughs> goals. That's also somehow Tuukka's fault. Oh yeah. That so was, yeah, they, they lose. Cool. <laughs> they lose because of Tuukka, and when they lose, when Tuukka's not there, it's because Tuukka's not there. It's it's a it's a double whammy. So, uh, yeah, it's I mean it's it's a mess. I think in this current situation, uh, you know, more reports come out, and it's like sort of definitely a personal situation involving his kids. So it's kind of like, it, it my initial instinct whether it's rask or anyone else in that situation is just to sort of say well i i really don't know i'm not going to sit here and and pontificate but uh if you have a talk show to fill hours and get callers uh you obviously have to spew opinions on it and so none of they're they're not very good i would say the no i feel like yeah like i i think i texted you i'm like everyone in boston is just showing their ass right now like with it's like well, yeah, and the, I have to rant one more thing while we're just going to make the Tuka Rask podcast is he missed the game 82 in 2013, no, 20, 2017, 15, I think it was 2016, it was 20, actually. It was 2016 because I was pregnant with my daughter. And yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was Gus. It was the monster. It was Jonas Gustafsson who ended up playing that game against the Thunders. Yes. And so, uh, you know, he, there was a report from Fluto Shinzawa that day that, uh, the only words were, it's coming out both ends. That was the report. 
Right. And everyone's everyone deems it like the Tukarask tummy ache game. And it's like, there's just no respect for the difficulty <laughs> of playing goaltender in the highest hockey league in the world against the best players in the world, even from Ottawa, like <laughs> that you can just go out there. And these are people who, when they get diarrhea and the pukes are in bed for two days, you know, like yeah. crying for Gatorade. And they're like, Oh, go, go out and gut it out. It's like, no, you'll be terrible at it. Like you can't play when you're doing that. Like you can't, there are people I'm going to keep going. Don't like, I'm not going to stop. Like when you have to run to the bathroom because you can't physically wait five seconds and you want him to stand in the crease. Yeah. For for three hours, like, shut up, stop calling it the tummy ache game. You can't. It's not like an injured finger or whatever. Right. Like you can't, like tough it out when you're, you know, expelling uh, fluids. Well, and you sure. know that if he had played that game, he would have sucked, and that somehow also would have been his fault. <laughs> he it's got like scared. It's his fault that yeah. they signed a guy with a congenital heart defect who's not very good at goaltending as his number two. Like, he's the one who personally went out and got Gus as his backup. And then it's his fault. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fun because, like, they, find, they they have to Google his name. Like, they have to Twitter search his name because I have very few Boston followers at this And I, I stood up for this. I think it was Ty Anderson was getting, like, all the noise when, when Raph, you know, when he decided to opt out. And I, like, I stood up for him at one point. And I was, like, the only people who are going to see this are, like, the Canucks fans that – that love me and uh instead like somehow even this morning i woke up and i had some mentions from some bruins fans who were like you're gonna stand by that take I was like, yeah i'm gonna stand by that take. that's uh that's exactly it it's like like i said it's death i mean not death taxes and tukarask that'll be eventually death taxes but it's just politics religion and tukarask because it's like you can't have a straightforward. It's the, it's so weird. Like usually you can at least. I mean, there's there's feelings in this, and it's like last year, like game seven, it's all Tuka Rask's fault. When it's like Brad Marchand took a line change with seven seconds left in the first period and gives yeah. Alex Petrangelo a breakaway. Like right. it's not Marchand's fault. It's not Bergeron's fault because you know Saint Patrice, who don't get me wrong, I'll call him Saint Patrice all day, but like did not have a good series. Pasternak didn't have a good series. It's like nope. And then you compare it like Tim Thomas. In the three home games they had against Vancouver in 2011, I think the Bruins scored uh, 19 goals or like 18 yeah, goals. They blew and, in the, and in the four home games the Bruins had last year versus Vancouver, I think they scored 11. So it's oh, like, yeah, the normal brain processes and understand there's a scoreboard <laughs> and like you got to put some up on that side. The Bruins didn't score in Game Seven last year until there was like seven minutes left and they were down three nothing. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's never ending. Like I, I didn't even get involved with the opt out with the arguing and the bickering. Cause it's like, you're going to say something you end up regretting when you find out why he left or, right. or something and like I think that. It came, out, it came out today. He did have a family emergency. Like his wife called him or something and it was, it was something with his kid. And like, yeah, of course, like the, you, you fucking go home. Like there's, <laughs> you go home. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was compounded by his Thursday night comments after losing where he's like, well, I mean, who cares, really? You just yeah, try your that, best to have fun. It doesn't feel like a playoff atmosphere. It feels like a scrum, which I think that if some other players, like if Brad Marchand had made that comment, people would be like, wow, he's being so on. And I love Brad Marchand. Like, I think he's super fun. I think he's I think he's a terrible person on the ice. I love it. I live for it. But, like, if he had said that, they would have been like, yeah, like, he's so gritty saying that. Like, he's really speaking the truth. And, like, Raph says it, and they're like, oh, he doesn't care about the playoffs. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's it, it's 
not everyone's going to get to the same level. And watching Rask in those games, he wasn't bad, but he no. was by no means excellent. Like, there was no plus-plus saves he made. He kind of looked like when you watch a hockey practice and you just watch the way he he moves, it's kind of like he goes down and kind of slides, you know, stays down on the ice, isn't, isn't up, isn't fighting. Like, that's kind of how he was playing. So, in that sense, I mean, Halak is not nearly the same goaltender as Tugarask when Tugarask is here. But if, if that's the only Tugarask you were going to get, I think what the Bruins will end up doing will end up being about the same. Because if, if Rask wasn't going to be invested, uh, you weren't you weren't going to get a Conn Smythe-worthy performance anyway. And there's a chance you can get hurt, if, especially as a goaltender. If you're not fully invested in that game, that's when you make us, you, you don't warm up properly. You don't play the game the way that you're supposed to your reactions off you have to make that desperation save you tweak your groin you're done anyway so i'm glad he, he left before he got hurt personally. he also broke his finger during the whole ramp up period on his glove hand and played through it and went but a broken finger playing through that who cares he had a tummy yeah. ache three years four years ago and i'm still <laughs> pissed about it Wham. so all right moving on from tuca who well, I, I want to ask, do you think he will be a Bruin next year? It's a good question. I mean, those comments after Thursday, like it, there was rumors and reports about him potentially retiring uh, after, you know, b- before there was a bubble when anything planned, like in March yeah. or April, it was like Tuca might retire. You remember he skipped the All-Star game this year or he was sure. set to skip it for to be with his family because, you know, he didn't want to miss a whole week. Uh, he ended up getting a concussion right before it, so he didn't really skip it. Uh, he was forced to, but... Uh, he's only 34, 35. I mean, he should have five more years in him. If he follows the track, he's a skinny fit Finn. Like he's, 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 (laughs) he's good enough to play. I think it's just up to him. Um, I guess the Bruins know the situation better than we do. And they all said publicly, they support him. I do think it's hard no matter what to like walk back into the locker room after that. But at the same time, like, what the hell is next season even going to look like? Like, yeah. we haven't even conceptualized that. that like, uh, Cam Neely talked about it a few weeks ago. And I was like, oh, yeah, there is a next season that they want to start, like, in December. In December, yeah. And January, yeah. Without a bubble, like, it's it's going to be hard. And then you have international travel, obviously, a lot more with hockey than uh, baseball or any other sport. So, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if he's done in Boston because of the way it ended, because he doesn't want to play anymore because of the the circumstances. I just think uh, that would be a shame of a way to end it. Because like I said, uh, going back to his first year as a starter uh, in 2009-10, when he stole the job from Thomas. That was the collapse year, right? When they lost to the Flyers. To when Thomas stole it back the next year with the Vezina season and had it for a couple years. And then Rask, Rast took over when Thomas, when Thomas, by the way, the hero of Boston, the man in every man cave in Boston, uh, <laughs> opted out of a season. That one kind of gets forgotten to history because of the the cup picture. So uh, yeah. they've had the Bruins have had uh, top five, top ten goalie goaltending at worst for a decade. I think people here are in for a rough awakening in the post Tugarask era, era, whether that's next year or two years or three years down the line. So. Now getting back to the current, the Bruins current, uh, currently they just beat the Hurricanes, Carolina Hurricanes in five games. Uh, Tuca played games one and two, mm-hmm. and they split that. You know the series was tied one one. Halak goes in for game three this weekend, wins, plays pretty well in game three, 
game stunk in game four. Stunk in game four. They lost game four, right? No, no. they won. No. They had that fourth, that third period. Right, but James Reimer blew it. That was yeah, that was James Reimer more than. And then more he, than he had a pretty Halak. So he he was not uh, good. In he game. was awesome in game five. Like he, he was, was really good. locked in. He was good today. Uh, so yeah, the I, only goal. I mean the that shot. Give me a break with that one. Uh, but he was he was big. I was a big bounce back. I wanted to ask somebody about it after the game, but in the Zoom press conference era, I just I hit my little raise hand button and didn't get to uh, ask a question. But I wanted to ask Chara because Chara has been Halak's teammate for two years in Boston. They've played Olympics together. I would have liked to get Chara's input because Chara saved two goals tonight uh, with loose pucks in the crease. You know, it shows the team that the Bruins are where, you, you know, you mentioned uh, Kat, the, the guys in the bar saying they're only in the Stanley Cup finals because of Halak, which is obviously over the top. But Tuka does need someone that that plays 30 to 34 games a year because Tuka is not a 72 game starter. Uh, Halak has been a big part of the team. And so I think they, they, I mean, they know Halak is better than whatever the hell that glove situation was in game four. Um, <laughs> they didn't panic. He didn't panic. I think it was a really impressive bounce back from a, from a defensive standpoint after a game where, where, where the Canes scored on their first shot of the night and then their first shot of the third period, 17 and a half minutes into it. It was unbelievable. So, yeah, uh, he looked much more like himself in, in game five. So he's not a big panicker though. Like no, that's, he's, that's he's a very nice even guy. Yeah. You could see him like, I mean, we're, we're doing the deep uh, body language analysis by we, I mean me, and I'm <laughs> bumping you in to uh, share the guilt. But the, like after the, it looked like he was like trying to catch a, a fly with chopsticks. Uh, you could like see in his mask. He was just sort of like, what the hell was that? <laughs> like yeah. just like a total like brain fart. So uh, I I think uh, he's he's got enough experience in his life to uh, not not overreact. The thing I always say about about Halak, and by always I mean this is the first time. Uh, <laughs> he was in a goaltending controversy in Montreal, so it's like if you can endure that early in your career and start right. over Carey Price in, in the playoffs and have a decent run ten years ago, like that builds a certain mental like you got to get you got to hit a lot before you hit something that affects you mentally. If you get through a goaltending controversy in Montreal, he's well, been through. I feel like a goal. Like Mikey and I were talking about this a couple nights. I think it was like a couple nights ago. Like he'd been through a goaltending controversy everywhere he's been because he <laughs> went from Montreal to Washington, where he was on the same Capitals team as Braden Holtby, Philip Grubauer, and Michael Neuvers. Like, and he somehow managed to still like come out on top there. Moved on to the Islanders. Dealt with whatever the fuck that was, where Garth Snow decided that he needed three goalies, didn't communicate it properly to any of them. One of them had no business being in the NHL. JF Ruby's a nice guy, not an NHL goalie, still like tried to force him in there anyway, waved to lock, and he still managed to come back and like just bounce into it. But he's he's a guy who, because I've talked to him a couple times, and he's just, he's a goalie nerd. Like, he loves technique. He loves talking about his gear. He loves talking about, like, the way the game's being played around the league. Loves talking about big goalies versus little goalies and him versus Tuca. Not in a competitive way, but in, like, a, he loves the game. Like, he's not just out there. He's the opposite of Anton Hudobin, who, like, uh-huh. I asked him one time, like, what his style is. And he was like, I take little bits of everything I learn. And I <laughs> maybe I surprise you one day. You don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do forwards don't know what i'm gonna do you'll figure it out when i do it and i was like okay cool and anton Halak's 
but <laughs> um, Anton Hudobin is not my favorite hockey player ever. He's my favorite person ever. Um, <laughs> just I covered the team in 13, and it's like I just always I loved when he played because I'd go to him. There was one game they played. I can't remember they, who they played, but the shots were like 51 to 49 or something. The Bruins won. And I was like, you know, that was a record for Save Street. He goes, oh, I thought I had this uh, three years. I'm like, oh, that was 47. You had 49 tonight. He's like, oh, okay. Uh, I wanted, you know, I was looking at the scoreboard. I was, I was hoping we, they get 50, we get 50, and we both, both 50-50. And I was like, man, that's what you were thinking of during that game, huh? You were hoping the other goalie got 50. And you were like, he is a delight. I love watching him. I hope the Stars win 10 Stanley Cups with him. He's a he's a treat, but he's so different from Halak, who's who's so even keeled. And like you ask him things, and he gives, he's like Rask, right? Like they both give insightful answers, and they don't brush you off. But they're not, whatever. Like Hadobin doesn't just like march to the beat of his own drum. Like he is his own drum, and like Halak's a little more analytic, a little more analytical. And so I think he probably was like, what was that? And like, but he doesn't. He doesn't get overly emotional about it either. I don't think I've ever seen him overly angry. I don't ever think I've seen him overly rattled by something. He's like, okay, like I fucked that one up. Next time, I'll get that right. Yeah. And then he just yeah, like goes with a, it. And I have a short memory. Yeah, he has a real short memory about it. But then he learns from it too. He builds on it. You'll sometimes yeah. see him like tangibly get better throughout a game. And so fans are spoiled. Yeah. So the <laughs> thing with Halak is like Mike, you mentioned he had. You know, he had a goalie controversy in Montreal. That 2010 run, the 2009-2010 Canadians, when they went on that run, they were down three games to one against the Capitals in the first round. Capitals won the President Trophy, and then he went on this absurd four-game run where he, like, I, I don't remember how, how many shots. It, like, it had to be close to 200 shots or something, and he just, like— he just stifled them and then they went all the way to the conference finals. And if you, he has had a very under the radar career. When you look at his numbers everywhere, he's had, he's like an above average goalie and he's good to have. And the Bruins have like a good defense playing in front of them. So I, I think they'll be fine. <laughs> I looked it up uh, in six games against Washington. He had a nine thirty nine save percentage uh, going four and two for Montreal that year. And I, th- I remember writing at the time as what was that? 2010. So I wasn't even, yeah. uh, I was like 23 years old, and I was the smartest guy in the world, obviously. <laughs> I remember being like, I'd go with Halak over Price. In retrospect, not exactly correct, but at the time, I was feeling feeling that one. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a beast. Anyway, so the Bruins <laughs> should be fine with Halak. He's played pretty well. Well, we got to say, if it ends up being Tampa... I, it looks like it sounds like it's going to like if the series play out, all the series play out, how they're going to play out. Yeah. Like obviously different things. can uh, happen. I guess if you want to spin zone it from a Boston perspective is Rask sucks first Tampa because Tampa's Tampa. Yeah. Uh, so maybe someone different might help. I mean, I don't have Rask's numbers versus Tampa, uh, but they're the worst out of anyone in his career. I'm pretty sure because again, they're Tampa. They're really good. You watch them come back against Columbus today. Uh, and it's just like they just score at will when they want yeah. to, and, and and they're they're different from last year. I think last year. I was gonna say it's amazing that they wanted to this year since they clearly didn't last year. <laughs> I think that's the most overlooked story in sports was that the Lightning weren't just the best team in the NHL last year; they were one of the best NHL teams of all time, uh, yeah. by like any metric or standard, and they got swept by the Blue Jackets. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think they learned from that. They they grew from that. I was kind of hoping the Blue Jackets did it again this year for comedy's sake, but 
if it ends up being Tampa, I don't know that anyone, let alone Rask or Halak, can be the guy that, that stifles that. I mean, there are no Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. So uh, I had to look that up, by the way. Um, and I know I know it was exaggeration, but uh, the only teams that over his career Tuka Rask has played worse against than the Tampa Bay Lightning are the Vancouver Canucks, the Washington Capitals, oh, and the Anaheim Ducks. And that's it. Every yeah. other team he has a better like career split save percentage than than against Tampa Bay. So yeah, there's, there's some validity to it. The Bruins had like a the Bruins had like a four game a four year losing streak to Washington. So I, I overlooked that. But yeah, Tampa certainly has has done well. Tuka also had like a four year losing streak in Montreal because he's afraid of the big games. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think. Uh, Tampa is, I mean, the, the way it was going to work out for the Bruins was they were going to get either Tampa or Washington. Uh, that's just life. You got to beat a good team along the way. So I, I don't, I don't know what the plan is against Tampa, but, uh, uh I, I don't feel great about the Bruins chances. So, but they got, uh, Pasternak back and he looked pretty solid today. I thought, what'd you think? He was in the right place. He didn't quite have his hands. Uh, right. He had a breakaway. He didn't get a shot off. He was. Uh, he had another opportunity where actually it was that Morazic really was awesome. I wanted to be like, wow, Pasternak really doesn't have his 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 hands or his rhythm. But like when when he had the puck and was just waiting for Morazic to commit and like he never did. I guess I got to give the goaltender credit on that one. So Pasternak was there. I mean, he got an assist on a Bergeron shot that bounced off his foot. So I'm not going to really give him a point uh, on the on the that scale, but uh, he should be fine. They should have at least three, four days off. So whatever injury he had from celebrating and jumping for joy in game one, he should be fine. Yeah. So it's likely the Bruins will play the Lightning, and that I mean, Lightning look like they're ready to go. I think that five overtime game really just killed Columbus. Like you lose that game, and it's I feel like there's no coming back from that. Yeah, that was uh, that was. I mean, if you're Columbus, you need to win that. If you're Tampa, you probably like to win that. Yeah, I think sure. it's, that's what was at stake. Tampa probably could have survived because they're Tampa, but uh, I think when you're a team like Columbus, you gotta uh, capitalize on any sort of opportunity that comes its way to you. I don't know if either of you caught Tortorella's press conference after oh, after the loss. Off, right? No, I was busy watching the Coyotes get their asses picked up and down the ice. That's <laughs> bad. It was like uh, the typical question were like, yeah, what did you learn about the team this year and, and how they, you know, stuck together and a unique. And he literally was just like during the question was like. And he's like, yeah, not doing the touchy feely thing. How everyone stay safe. And he just bounces. So, yeah, I, res- I respect that because there's like I love every that. everyone has their questions like like people always tweet like media people. And it's like, yeah, we're annoying by complaining about whatever I'm going to do it. Mine is always when they're like. What does it say about your team that you're able to come back from two goals? And it's like, just just say it yourself. Like, don't frame it like that. I don't know. It's always the same answer. Like, yeah, we have resilience, adversity. So Tortorella just didn't even hear half of it before. It's like, this is dumb. I'm out. So I love it. He's a good coach. Like, he's he's a good he's coached up that Blue Jackets team. They they beat Toronto in five games, and after having that huge meltdown that uh, in game four, and they won in five, and then you know. I think the Lightning, most of the games in the five-game series that they just played with the Lightning, they were pretty close. You had the five-overtime game and the overtime game today. I think another— They were up two today. Yeah, they they had another one-goal game, I think, in there. They, I mean, they're they're a solid team, He he's and they've dealt with a lot. A lot of players have left. You know, they've dealt with injuries. So 
He's I know people like to dump on him because he's kind of a psychopath, but <laughs> he's a good, he's I, like we gotta like be a coach. Being from Massachusetts, I think everybody has a friend whose dad is basically John Tortorella. Like you go over <laughs> your buddy's house and like John Tortorella's there giving you a hard time. So it's like a very Massachusetts uh, attitude. So there's I guess that's why I like him. But what's funny is he's like he's the nice. Maybe, maybe it's just to me. I don't know, but like I've never had a bad interaction with John Tortorella. Talked to him like five or six times after games, and he's been nice every single time. Like he's a gem. And when he's such a dick to other people, I'm like, maybe, maybe you just didn't, you didn't smile at him the right way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. Maybe you, maybe you smiled too much because I tend not to smile. Just, like I don't know. Maybe you ask good questions and he just doesn't like dumb fucking questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, first of all, you got to have kind eyes. I've learned if you don't have kind eyes, you're in big trouble. But <laughs> like, I I go to Bill Belichick press conferences all the time, and if you ask a bad question, you're gonna get a bad answer. But if you ask a decent question and you sound generally like genuinely inquisitive and interested, you'll probably get an answer. So I think there's a certain I don't know. I like. I guess I'm in the media. I shouldn't like when they dump on people, but I like it because it's I like, love it. yeah, I it's love like, it. it's like, you know what you didn't. And I've asked dumb questions before and gotten shut down. And I'm like, eh, you know what? Not my best. I deserved it. Yeah. I deserved Sometimes it. you airball a three and then you just, you know, got to gather it together like Halak after game four and figure it out. Yeah. I hate to say this, but like as, as the queen goalie apologist here, but I think that, Tampa Bay's goaltending is like the bread and butter of that series. And it's going to be the bread and butter of this one. Like I love Eunice Corpusalo. I love Elvis Merzlikens. He's the bee's knees. I think he's going to be the next best goaltender in the league over the next decade plus. Um, they're both young. Neither of them had played in the playoffs before. I think sure. if Eunice Corpusalo had, it was an accident. Um, I mean, Elvis Merzlikens has played behind some very bad Swiss teams in the past and he's played them into the playoffs before. But this is a whole nother ball game. You know, this is, yeah. this is the NHL. He just finished his rookie season in North, like not just in the NHL, but in North America. And like they thrust him into the playoffs too. And I just don't think that either of them, either Corpus Hall or Merzlikens, were like fully ready for Tampa to be their introduction to the NHL playoffs. And that's that's fine, I think. Well, one of them had 87 saves or, or like close. Yeah. It was Eunice Corpus yeah. Uh, Most ever by record. like... He had like 15 more than the record. Yeah, yeah that, was that was wild. But like, I think that Tampa will have a harder time against like we just listed all these elite moments for Yarrow Halak where he's overcome like moments where he should have been rattled. And like, I think that's going to be a little harder for them. I think Boston's a better team than Tampa. Yeah. I'm, I mean, on the one hand, it's like a, a letdown that it won't be like Vezina on Vezina with Vasilevsky and Rask. But from a just a personal standpoint, I'm relieved that it won't be like every time like Braden Point or like Victor Hedman or some incredibly talented goal scorer <laughs> scores a goal in a hockey game. I have to be like right here, like Rask sucks. You gotta have that. You can stop his angle. All these like everyone's I an could expert. I stop that goal. I don't and know why like, he didn't. Soft. A shot's coming from 50 feet away. It's like yeah. He shot that right into right into the logo on his sweater, and he moved out of the way of it. Of course he it's did. uh, it's 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 relieving in that now. It's I I have an experience where like when the other team scores, it's like most people are like oh, and then like the game goes on, they're not you know crying about the goalie. So it's fascinating. Uh, it's gonna be a fascinating dynamic. I do wish. Speaking of bad goals, I think uh, 
Mr. Yeah, Hart. Hart. Mr. Hart just whoops. Ooh, that was yeah. a that's not that's a good not, one. That's not good for podcasting, but uh just in terms of the playoff picture, I would like to see Montreal stretch that thing. Uh it's so weird being from Boston, but like I rooted for Montreal in the first round because I love chaos in a twelve beating a five in this bubble. Awesome. Is, yeah, and then it's like win it for Claude. Like, who in the world dislikes Claude? I don't know anyone that dislikes Claude. So, yeah. Um, I, I hope don't dislike Mont- Claude. I dislike Montreal fans. Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah. I've I mean, had that's... them crawling in my mentions for the last week because I gave Carter Hart a compliment. I well, said he's been great. And, like, you, you saw Mikey. Like, I got, I think it was, like, 3,000 likes on it, like, a bunch of retweets. But then, like, 200 comments all saying did you forget carrie price exists (laughs) (laughs) girlfriend um but he just let in a bad goal that's not going to count because they were off sides but it was really bad goal so do you still stand by that take uh do you still want to do you still want to stand by that take he's been having a good playoffs carter hart right he's Uh, pretty good yeah i mean the round robin doesn't care um so, Mike, what other series have you liked so far? Not talking, like, playoff series, not the knockout round. Oh, the knockout round was the best uh, because what was the series where they were Calgary and uh, Winnipeg just trying to kill each other? Like, that was that was fat. That was so fun to watch, especially because it was like sports are back for the first time in six months, four months. And it's like these Canadian, Western Canadian teams might – murder each other on tv yeah they, they were like yeah that was like game brutal. one they were killing each other like kachuk the the winnipeg ended up losing like three or four players right they lost like uh they lost uh what's his face in game one yeah and they tried to take it on kachuk and then like wheeler was fighting like that that was fun um i, I like the five overtime game especially because it, they postponed the bruins after that so that was uh very nice can i tell you one thing you as an islanders boy uh, that I've really enjoyed and noticed watching game uh, four last night. Uh, the blue socks, blue pants, blue jerseys, blue helmets. When they hit, when they throw hits with that look on, it's like 10 times more powerful. I swear to God. Like, yeah, you're like, oh my God, that guy got killed. Yeah, it's, it's slick. They look, and when you watch the replay, you're like, oh, I mean, he really didn't get hit that hard, but like in real time, speaking. it looks like they murder them, and you're like, damn. It looks like a video game. So, I mean, I like watching the island. I, I didn't see that one coming. I picked the Capitals to go to the finals, I think. I don't know. Who cares about who I picked? But I didn't think the, the Islanders would uh, would get past Washington. Uh, and I think I'm going to be wrong. But I think that's fun. I think that's, yeah. that's good for hockey. I would love a Bruins-Islanders conference finals if it came would, to that. I because would, I, would, I would jump off the roof of your emotions. Like, <laughs> I'd have so You're, much fun with that, Mikey. I think yeah. that we, oh, I, we have I, to I have like a live that. recording. We I have to have never, a live recording. I'll come on the podcast every game. Just like don't record it. It's not even a podcast. It's just me making like making stream. your life. Drop yeah, just, stream. just bothering Radigan. I can't. I can't. I can't. I, I could. That's why I want the Flyers to win. And so I'm like, I think the I think if the Bruins play the Islanders, the Bruins would win that series in five games. The Bruins just met. The Islanders have, like, I think they're something like 1-10 against the Bruins the past three years or something. They just don't play well against them. They they kind of play the same style, but the Bruins just do it. They have more higher elite talent with Pasternak and Marchand and Bergeron and Krejci. And, Daryl you know, has has a memory, too. I'm sure yeah, he'd, uh, true. he'd love to just wallop, wallop them. I think, I do think Philly will... 
pull out this series either not tonight maybe game six and then i think the islanders will wrap up their series and then it'll be flyers islanders can, can they beat philly i don't i don't watch many islanders flyers games so I this is the gonna... most exciting uh they've, they've played this well against the philly. put together i've seen the flyers look in sure. a decade since yes. they lost to the blackhawks and the, the worst ending of the stanley cup final ever yeah that patrick kangle was it was like is it over so oh. the Flyers, besides this game, the Flyers Canadian series has I think been pretty boring. Like it's been uh, goaltending. It hasn't been boring. It's been okay. Good the goaltending has been, but it's it's like I don't know. It's I don't think the Flyers are. I think they came into the bubble and they they played really well. They won all their round robin games, and then they I don't know. I don't think they're they're playing their best right now um obviously they're losing to montreal but they're still up three games to one i know a lot of their big guns haven't been scoring either like Giroux, I, I don't think has many points uh voracek i don't think has played that they're not playing to their full potential even even though they were rolling during the round robin so i think the they islanders would happen they I think they would, that. yeah i think they'd have a decent chance against the flyers i think it would be probably tilted a little towards the flyers but you know it we should be- probably, though, like, it's my bad for asking. We should probably not count any eggs being before they hatch with the especially. Islanders because the Capitals are pretty good at hockey. Yes. Yeah, Ovechkin sniped two goals. Like, I like. Yeah, like, that was, that was a, like, a tour de force type. I'm Alex Ovechkin. I don't want to go home just yeah. yet. I wait. I, maybe he wants to go home in a little bit, but he doesn't want to go home right now. So that's uh, that's not even, like, me making an Islanders quip. Like, they might no. blow it and break your heart. Like, the Capitals can win four games in a row like yeah teams do teams have it's i think it's the most like teams have blown 3-0 leads but i islanders are like i trust barry trotz he's a very good coach i they're he's one of the best coaches in the league so i think he'll have them ready to go game five so i think though you gotta keep in mind is i heard barry melrose say on the tv that the capitals (laughs) have a problem in their room and they need to switch it up uh because they're not playing for one another and this was while leading into the highlight of them winning yeah, uh, an elimination I, game. So just think, something to keep in mind, you know. I don't think that's very true. I think he said uh, it on the TV. I think all those guys are probably cool with each other. You don't think he's locked in, Barry, to I, the Capitals' dressing room? I I, I do not. During Although, COVID, away from the bubble, like somehow just knowing it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what. Uh, <laughs> it's any excuse to rag on Ovechkin, like true. he'll he'll take. Uh, true. But I, like you said, Mike, you, like. Uh, Holpe, you were thinking Holpe was going to be huge. He's been fine. He's yeah. Been fine, but he hasn't been, you know, Braden Holpe of two years ago when he when the Caps went on that run. I wonder if goaltending, and I don't know, this, you probably know better than I do. I wonder if goaltending is the thing that comes in, is the hardest to get up to speed because practice is practice and playoffs is playoffs. So it's sort of like if you're a, you know, a top line winger, you play a couple games, you get your legs under you, and things start to kind of go like you're used to. Whereas if you're a goalie and you haven't literally seen a puck, you, you went three months without a puck coming at you, yeah. and then you got to suddenly go from practice mode to playoff mode. I guess it's like sort of a great. I've said it's a great equalizer for teams in that anything that happened from October to March kind of doesn't matter. But I think in terms of goaltending, I think you probably see a leveling out of the elite and the not so elite sort of finding middle ground. Uh, yeah, I think well, Cap probably, right? You probably what's kind of funny is, you know, it's, yeah, it's, uh, coming into their, I mean, in Syria, yeah, they haven't seen pucks in 
three months, four months. Some of the ones that have been over over in Europe have been able to play some hockey, which is super fortunate for them. But uh, there was almost like an adrenaline push right at the beginning um, where some of those guys were able to get going. And now I think the biggest thing isn't going to be just that technique because now they've gotten warmed up. You know, they, they've gotten their, their legs. They've all faced, you know, if you're Darcy Kemper, you faced 600 shots. If you're Eunice Corpusala, you faced 1,000. But now it's going to be the fatigue. And that's really going to be in my opinion, the huge thing here, because a lot of these guys, you know, they've seen their shots now, their their techniques back. But even if you've been conditioning during quarantine, it's been hard. It's been hard to keep up with what you're supposed to be doing. You know, some of the goalies I work with, their gyms were closed for chunks. The ice is closed. So we were working on like modified workouts for some of these guys. So even the NH, even at the NHL level, they had modified workouts that they had to do because they didn't have access to the same equipment didn't have access to their trainers unless it was through Zoom calls. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of tricky, I think. Um, and so I think a lot of them, conditioning-wise, we're going to start seeing some of those mistakes come in just because they're going to start getting fatigued. This is, this is where I think we're going to see some of, that, some of that sloppy play come in. Unless you're, you know, Mike Smith, in which case the sloppy play started day one. <laughs> he got eliminated real fast. But, but yeah, I mean, guys like, like Carter Hart, we're seeing him. I don't think he's ever played a back-to-back like this before. Um, Braden Holtby had a long season, then got his rest, but now he's jumping right back into it. Who knows how much he got to work out during that offseason there. I think some of those guys, we're just going to start to see them slow down a little bit, and we're going to see some of that. Almost like how you described how Rask was playing, where, where it looks like they're trying to conserve their energy because I think they're going to have to. Yeah, well, yeah. Fortunately, fortunately for him, he doesn't. He's can conserve it now. So um, yeah, he doesn't care about winning a cup. <laughs> so I was listening to the radio today. On I was in the car, and like they did the whole thing and laid it all out about the family and the daughter and all this. And they're like, all right, we go to Bob in the truck. He's like, I'm done with Tuka Rask forever. <laughs> and the guy's like, okay, okay, hold it, hold on, hold on. I just want to make sure, even if it's a family thing where anyone would leave the bubble and go home to the family, you still, yeah, I'm done. I don't care. I defended him to no end, but I'm done now. And it's like. <laughs> I'm so sorry that this man inconvenienced you. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's where we're at. He knew what he was doing going into that bubble. <laughs> well, that's yeah. the ones that are like, well, he made it into the bubble. If he wanted to opt out, he should have done it at the very beginning. I'm like, you would have yelled at him if he did it at the very beginning for being soft and not caring about his team. And, and so he did come into the bubble. He tried, he gave it his all family situations arose. And even if they didn't, who fucking cares? Even if he just felt like it wasn't working for him and missed his kids, I I think that would be fine. But they're like, yeah. he, he made a commitment. Didn't say, I, I don't remember who it was that was like, he didn't stay in the trenches with the rest of the troops. Find that yeah. soft of him. I was like, what are you talking about? Who it's was that? War, man. This isn't war. <laughs> the one thing that I really do appreciate with Rask, because Rask is, is as straightforward and honest as can be, uh he talks about he's like his best quote was you know it's playoffs in the over in it's overtime in the playoffs you're either the hero or you're the asshole like that's his that's him that's who he is so he didn't explain it he's just like i'm leaving and he doesn't care what people are saying he doesn't care that it's causing world war three on the boston radio airwaves he's just sort of like just so removed from it at this point being in his 30s he's just sort of like oh i don't have to explain it to anyone I kind of secretly hope he does care that he's 
ignited World oh, War II. Like, he won't I be able to sleep really then. hope that he enjoy. No, I I think he enjoy. I want him to enjoy it. I want him to drink the tears of all the Boston radio hosts as like his his new superfood smoothie. I think well, that's when he that. did the when he did the game too. Like, uh, does it, it feels like an exhibition game out here? Even the people who hate Rask were like, he's just trolling, right? Like, because he was <laughs> smiling. Like he was so. He definitely enjoys a little bit of that for sure. All right, Mike, we'll ask you a couple more questions before we let you go. Um, who's winning the cup, not knowing what you know now? I picked Colorado earlier, so I might as well stick with it. Uh, Double down on that. Double down on that. So hard. Yeah, it's, it, it was like pretty a slaughterhouse, much, man. It was it's pretty much. Fun. I was watching the other night. I'm like, man, every other team has a little bit of a different jersey look from like 1997, except for the Colorado Avalanche. So. <laughs> Uh, that's one wor- thing working against them. I guess like classic teams like the Canadians don't really change, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't watch a lot of avalanche games being a dad on the East coast, but, uh, I'll stick with them just cause I did. They're okay. so scary. Yeah. They look, they look like, I think the Western conference final is going to end up being Vegas and Colorado. And I think that's yeah. going to be really, that's going to be a really fun series. Cause Vegas looks pretty, uh, Vegas soft. is so badass. Like they're just like a badass team. Like, yeah, I, there's like, they're the only two Western Conference teams that actually look good. And that sounds mean. I don't care. Calgary yeah. looks like ass. Dallas looks like a mess. They couldn't score for 8 million months there. Vancouver and St. Louis are like racing themselves to lose in those games. They both look like shit. <laughs> Arizona looked bad. Chicago looked worse. Chicago looked significantly worse. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you looked into Alex Tuck's eyes during that clinching game, but like <laughs> he looked like he could like shoot lasers through every single Blackhawks yeah. player. Like it was, he it could. was, it was he terrifying. He scored. Through. There was no like so he was just like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he scored again. It didn't count, but he was just like. <sighs> so, when, when they scored that disallowed goal, and Corey Crawford just lay there in the crease because like <laughs> if there's anybody who's been disrespected, like anywhere close to as much as Tuka Rask, it's Corey Crawford. Those fans are so mean to him. And when he allowed that last goal after doing the most for that team to get them to that point, he just, like, lay there and he put his head on the ice. And I was like, man, I can't believe they let that happen to him. The camera was also just, like, slowly zooming in on his soul. His soul was just like... Yeah, he lost his body there. He may not be back in Chicago. There's a chance he'll sign another short-term deal, but like this may, if this is the last time we see Tuca in Boston, like this may also be the last time we see Corey in Chicago. They should swap. See how the fans like that. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> um, yeah, Vegas and Colorado look the most locked in, and I, I just feel like we're heading for a collision course for those two to face each other. Um, we also ask everyone that, or almost everyone. We haven't done it recently, but since, you know, we, God you and I God. both grew up listening to the same music, Mike, who, I grew up before you, though. So. You did grow up before me. You are you are 65 years old, so you have yes. a little more uh, couple years on me. What, Am I the only sub 30 person on this podcast right now? Yes. I'm this not sub 30. Mike is like he's like he's was, not you're almost you're mid 30s. Yeah, I, I work with I really... someone who's a decade younger than me, and I made a 69 joke, and he, in complete sincerity, looked at me and went, 
are you not too old to know those jokes? Wow. And so I'm I'm just gonna relish being the youngest person right now. Let, let me let me soak that in for a second. I'm feeling yeah. very hurt. <laughs> That's tough, but what's I would 33 I was fine with, but saying 34 sucks. There's something about it I just I don't like it. So, uh, I uh, I've been 40 since I was 18, so it's not that big of a deal. But uh, yeah, 34. All right. So what is a better like? pop punk rock opera american idiot or the black parade it's american idiot i mean oh man it, this is just we it's everyone Goodbye. says american idiot i know Goodbye. i just i wasn't a black parade fan i loved um forgive oh. me the, the the my chemical romance record before that that three three cheers for sweet three revenge three you might have heard of it i don't know if <laughs> you're familiar with that one um I love that album. I still play it on drums. It's like my cardio when I like it's just constant. And I don't know you. I don't know that much about my Chemical Romance, but I was like, man, I've played this record on my drums like five million times. I should probably like learn who the drummer is. I guess he left the band after that and is like an auto mechanic in like Long Island or something. Well, now, or he Jersey. left the band because they set him on fire while filming the music video for Famous Last Words. I don't see the problem. The black. <laughs> <laughs> that... accident, I think they accidentally so he did like, the drums the for the record, but wasn't in the. I think like, he like yeah. somebody yeah, think he somebody after. broke their leg, and then somebody got somebody got set on fire while they were doing that video because it was just like bombs and fire everywhere, and like somebody got somebody got set on fire, somebody broke their foot. Like, would you get for a short? Would you get lit on fire by My Chemical Romance? If you, like if that meant you could be their drummer. I heard and when I looked it up, like I feel like he wasn't getting paid really. Like it wasn't like a five way split. He was getting like five percent. So no, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, but I don't want to disrespect my chemical romance. I am wearing a Taken Back Sunday shirt at the moment. So Oh, there you go. Wow. On there somewhere. Yeah, that's a nice where did you get where'd you get that? Did that was that last summer when they toured with Coheed, which was a wild combination. Oh. It was, <laughs> what? And I was like, there's so many people like me. Because, like, Coheed will either tour with, like, Mastodon or, like, Slayer or something. Or they'll tour with, like, Taking Back Sunday and get, like, the complete opposite crowd. And, like, they appeal to, like, the metal and the emo. So yeah. it was fun. It was an outdoor concert in the summer. Like, that was a good time. Have, have you ever seen Mastodon? No. I against me co-headlined a tour with them in like 2006 or 2007 and it's like you couldn't pick two bands more like opposite and so against me against me played first and then it was Mastodon and I stayed for a little Mastodon and I was like you got yeah I was frightened like that was like (laughs) that was probably the heaviest band I've ever seen play besides uh Smash Mouth yeah (laughs) okay you know what Smash Mouth and I were friends on Twitter. We we they follow me, I follow them. We have back and forths. They they call me Hurl Star. <laughs> the COVID concert, you know, I can't believe they they threw a COVID concert. Like South Dakota, I'm I'm disappointed in Smash Mouth. Like the cuteness is at an all time low. So. So you guys are beefing. It's like a silent. They know it because they haven't heard from me in a while, and we haven't corresponded. So I don't know. I'm not feeling. I'm not feeling the cuteness right now. All right, and then what are you currently listening to? Oh, boy. Uh, I've been listening to a band called Thrice. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
Braddock <laughs> gives me a hard time because Thrice is the I like Thrice. I just, I just like ragging on you because I know they're your favorite. I like Thrice. They have some very good albums. Some of the best albums ever made, if you ask me. Okay. Um, early in quarantine, way back in like March, I had just gotten into the Spanish Love Songs record, which is great, but it's also like super depressing. Yeah, so, I was- I've listened to that twice, and I'm just like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's really good, but like, it it's, a little, good. it's a little heavy. Um, the Dirty Nil, I feel like I don't know why everyone in the world isn't listening to The Dirty Nil. Awesome they band, They yeah. have a new song that came out last week. They have a new record coming out. I think now is the time for America to get into The Dirty Nil. Yeah. So that is that is my, my push. They are. I saw them open for Against Me three years ago yeah, with uh, I remember Bleach. That, I that was a great, a great lineup, That's and they were tour. like... They were early on, and I was like, they're like Nirvana, but modern. And yeah. they've really taken it like up a next level. Like They have some metal influences. They have some pop influences, some yeah. rock, some punk. Like They, they kick ass, so the Dirty Nail. Canadian. Licks, yeah, their guitar licks are like fun. He, like, he, he posts how-to videos on how to play all the songs on guitar. Like How can you hate that? Yeah. All right. He's, so also, you... he's also always like, oh, it's so easy. You just do this. Like, <laughs> it's, it's really easy, guys. It's just like, shut up, man. <laughs> all right well thank you for taking the time i, I we spent almost an hour with you i hope that's okay are you like sorry the you getting ready for bed yeah it's it's bedtime uh i gotta go watch tiger woods in the morning at the golf tournament so i need to get a nice night of sleep max produces this you want to say hi to max uh not until max plays golf with me will i acknowledge <laughs> max keeps by he the keeps, way he I keeps living said... the island lifestyle so it's like max hello you're here <laughs> When I said, are you getting ready for bed, my three-year-old, who, by the way, like, for the listeners, I disappeared for a minute there because she walked up to our Skype call with no pants on. Oh, yeah. That's the way to and do I it. I have no idea why. Um, Radigan's not wearing pants she either. Heard, so. She heard me say, is it bedtime? And she popped her head over the couch like a fucking gremlin and goes, <laughs> whose bedtime are we talking about right now? <laughs> like, Excuse not me, yours. Not. Excuse me, not me, correct? <laughs> yeah, that was that's exactly like the face she made at me. She's like, I heard the word bedtime. You you don't you don't mean me, right? And I don't. We're we're at, we're out in Pacific Standard Time, so. Mike, really, can we tell them about the slap? Is that? <laughs> so, uh, my family made a nice New York trip last April vacation. We would have made another one this year, but there was a coronavirus pandemic, which prevented us from making the trip. Um, New York was hit particularly hard, so it was not a good idea to travel there. But last year, 2019, we met Mike in front of what, like St. Patrick's Cathedral or some? some... Yeah, St. Pat, St. Pat's. I got off work and then I met you in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Then we went Very for religious. a nice stroll. We walked over to Central Park just to catch up. We were going somewhere. Radigan was going. You were going to see uh, the Laura Jane Gray show that night, I recall. You had your your leather jacket, looking rather yes. stylish. Yes. And um, my youngest Olive, who was two at the time out of nowhere, just slaps Penny, her older sister, two and a half years older, just slap, like a clean slap, like right in the cheek. And like Penny wasn't like hurt. She was like terrified and like hurt. She was hurt inside. And her face was just like melting. She was like, why did this happen to me? And then Olive got yelled at because she slapped her sister. And then Olive was crying. And so Madigan descended upon the children like from the heavens and was like, listen, Penny, I would cry if I got hit like that. You know, like I would poop my pants if I got hit like that. And Penny snapped out of it, and which is great. Thank you, Mike, for saving the day. But also now they call him Poop Mike, who has poop in 
his pants, and they send yeah. him videos all the time saying, hey, Mike, like even Olive, who's the sweetest little three-year-old in the world, like she is so sweet. There's a video I posted on my Instagram story today which is like, you are the handsomest and the nicest. That's Olive, but yet if I say, hey, here's poop Mike, she'll go, you're going to poop in your pants. <laughs> so, uh, Raddy yeah, is fucked up. Gets, it's good that Mikey gets along with someone's kids because uh, he went to FaceTime my daughter and did not have Brucey, the dog, with him. And I've never seen her more upset. But she was like, she was shaking. She was so yeah, upset. Yeah, she started banging her head on the couch. <laughs> yeah. So, so now, uh, yeah, like, he's hit or miss. she hears about Mikey, she's like, no, I want no part of that guy. She, yeah, I don't I, like that guy. I hear that Jamie, Jamie Lynn Siegler has the same uh, reaction to seeing no, me. No, he loves me. <laughs> That's what I hear. Oh, uh, James Gandolfini's favorite album was Dookie by Green Day. That's like, did you read that? Yeah, I did. That's like I, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I can't roll my eyes hard enough for you guys that's to like see the, it. Like, I love that. Quarantine, when it started in March, was just Radigan sending me pictures of his TV watching The Sopranos like every day. And I'm like, yeah, you, yeah, you that, wasn't the just that was all of us. So now I sent him that and FaceTiming me at midnight my time. So like three o'clock in the morning for him. FaceTime FaceTime or FaceTime audio? Because usually he does. Oh, no, no, no. FaceTime video. FaceTime video. I'd be like catatonic on my couch watching Vampire Diaries or something like because it was quarantine and I'd get a FaceTime. So I'd screen it and it's like he knew. And so he'd like FaceTime me again and again until I finally answered. And then he drunkenly talked to me for a while and then say, Wait, I need to go buy more beer from the 7-Eleven, so I'm gonna hang up on you guys. But first, should I get Skittles or not? And like That's, that was just Cheez-Its. It was Cheez-Its. That's right again. Yeah. So now yeah. I make up for it by sending him shirtless pictures of myself sweating while doing lawn work because that <laughs> that is how we pay back in this relationship. Ooh, I or don't him. send him shirtless pictures. Yeah, it's, it's, a, a, good thing. it's a shirtless dad thing. Him, gr- him on the grill. <laughs> Grilling, I yard work. Of Iz, though. I send him pictures of her looking happily at other people. All right. Well, this turned into a roast of me, and uh, that's I'm very. I'm I'm happy about that. That's that's a high note to end it on. We talked Absolutely. about Jurass being sad, the Coyotes being sad. So now we're gonna make fun of you. One, two, three. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. I'm. T- I'll talk to you in like 30 seconds probably because you're like one of the two people. I, you two are like the two only people I really talk to <laughs> besides my mom and my girlfriend. So uh, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Again, you can check out Mike's work at cbsbostonsports.com. Sure, or cbsboston.com. Or cbsboston.com. Just Google, uh, just Google it. Tweet at Mike. Michael F. Hurley. Tweet mean things to him. Tell him how I'm so much cooler than him and how I'm so much younger and like more. She's got a cooler You're vibe. Old. You're old. I'm not old. I'm not old. old. Alright, this is ending. We're done. Thank you. Try to describe it for the love of my